Somebody give the Lord some praise. Don't just clap your hands, but give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, did you come to praise him, to thank him, to give him glory? He's worthy tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The book of Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. While you're turning there, let me say again what an honor and privilege it is to be here tonight. And uh, thank God for what we felt here last night. But I need a fresh touch of the Lord. Well, that's three of us. The rest of y'all can go ahead and be dismissed. Hallelujah. So I need a fresh touch of the Lord, even on a Friday night. Amen. And uh, I know some of us here aren't used to being in church this much. You'll get used to it. Uh, I do this all the time. And uh, so we're, we're just getting started. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'll be gone tomorrow and then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and I think Wednesday of next week. So I'm going to do it all over again. I may have Thursday. No, I don't. As a matter of fact, I don't have Thursday and Friday off. I think I just got mad about that. I, <laughs> help me, God. Give me a right attitude. No, I'm kidding. Oh, man. But I, I am. I'm glad to be here tonight. I give honor tonight to Pastor Moore. Again, he is my friend, and I honor him as the man of God in this, in this city, in this church, and thankful for his words of wisdom and for his vision to see the church go forward. Amen. I don't believe it's the will of God for the church to stay in the same place it's always been. Again, that's three of you. There ought to be more saying amen right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's the will of God for us to be in the same place we've always been. But his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And to the Bible says of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. God's not done. God's just getting started. God's just started pouring out blessings. God's just started giving victory. God's just started giving revival. Amen. Amen. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. He understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Notice verse 2. And I've, I've been in Daniel chapter 10. I don't know. Have I preached out of Daniel chapter 10 in the last little while here? I don't know. I might have. I've been preaching out of this stuff for a while now. But verse 2, th this always intrigues me. And so I, when I'm reading this, I have to stop and I have to ponder this and I have to kind of figure it out in my head. And I still haven't got it. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it completely. But uh, verse 2, he transitions and he begins to speak. And he says, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full days. So notice in verse 1, he's speaking in the third person. He speaks of his self from, he says, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. But in verse 2, now he's speaking in the first person. In those days, I was mourning three full weeks. And I do believe tonight that there is something that we're going to get into here in just a few moments, but if you will, let's, let's jump down to verse 12. and we, we won't read the whole thing, but then he, the Bible says, Then said he unto me, he being the angel of the Lord, Fear not, Daniel, 
And so there is something again to be said here. The angel is addressing him by his Hebrew name and not by his Babylonian name. He is addressing him as Daniel and not as Belteshazzar. He said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. I want to talk to you tonight for just a little while about personal prayers. Personal prayers. Prayers. Would you help me right now by lifting your hands and voice to heaven and ask God to move in this house? God, we need you. We want you. We got to have you. We're asking you, God, right now to move in this house. Let there be a call. Let there be an anointing. Let there be a touch, God, from heaven that is greater than what we can even imagine. I pray, God, right now that the anointing that destroys every yoke would flow through this house. Help us, God. Help us, God. Help us, God. We need your touch and we need your anointing in this place tonight. And we trust you tonight. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord as long as you promise to help me preach. Amen. Daniel is a man. The book of Daniel is very complex because Daniel is an older man looking back upon his life when he writes the book. And so he breaks it up into three distinct sections. And I don't have time to go into that tonight because that's just kind of a Bible study. And we're not here to do Bible study. We're here to preach. And so... Uh, look, I'll just kind of skip to the preaching part and, and tell you that it is here in Daniel chapter 10 that the full transition has taken place. It, it begins in chapter 8 where there are, there are glimpses of Daniel recognizing who he is and what he is. And so as he begins to recognize who he is, and what he is. Now he can operate in the prophetic anointing that God has for him in his lifetime. Can I tell you tonight that it's important not only that you know who Jesus is, but that you know who you are. Oh, help me, Jesus. I feel my help already. He begins to talk to Peter and he says, Thou art Peter. He asked Peter the question. He says, Peter, who do men say that I am? And he, he tells him, he says, thou art the Christ. You know the story. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. But uh, as he tells him that thou art the Christ, he says, Peter, I'm glad that you know who I am. But now i got to let you know who you are. Because you can never fulfill the prophetic anointing that is on your life if you don't know who you are and you don't know what your calling is. And so the same thing that happened to Peter there at that moment at the bottom of a mountain is the same thing that is happening to Daniel. Daniel has had his identity tried to 
to be stripped away from him by Babylon. Everyone understand what I'm saying tonight is what happened to, what happened to Daniel in Babylon is the same thing that is trying to happen in our world in 2020. Can I tell you that the devil wants your apostolic identity more now than he ever has before? It's not just your apostolic identity, but I'm going to tell you, he wants your identity as a man. He wants your identity as a woman. He wants to blur the lines between the genders so that you have no, you don't know who you are and you don't know what you are. But I, I've come to tell you tonight uh, that if you're going to receive a word from God and you're going to be used uh, in the end time, we understand that Daniel is a lot, uh, it's a very eschatological book. And because it is, we, we have to understand the same thing happening then is happening now. And so he gets to Babylon and the first thing they do is they try to change his identity. I've come to let the devil know my identity is not up for debate. I'm not here to try to debate to you who, what I am and what I, I know who I am. I, I know who God's called me to be. And friend, if you don't know, you need to figure it out in an apostolic altar because Congress sure can't tell you and the doctors and lawyers sure can't tell you. If you need identity, you need to find it at the house of God. I'm a prayer warrior. I'm a worshiper. I'm a leader in the house of the Lord. I know who I am. There, there, there's power in this revelation of recognizing who you are. And so Daniel finally gets to this place. And now that he's finally there, Daniel's finally walking in in the revelation that I, I'm not built the Shazar, the one that belongs to Baal. It's what it translates in, as in, in, in the Chaldean language. It's, it's I, I don't belong to Baal. I belong to God. I, I know who I am and I know what I am and I know where I stand. And uh, uh, You have to understand, again, this, this, uh, if you want to understand what's happening in our world right now, just go study Babylon. It's, but but it's, it's this whole Babylon situation. It's the whole Babylon conflict conversation that that makes me sit back and scratch my head and think you know why 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 would God parallel so much because we can see from the very beginning of the book of Genesis I think it's in chapter 11 there's a battle that happens between uh, Shinar which is Babylon and Salem which is Jerusalem and it is a battle that will continue spiritually we understand it's even somewhat going on physically even now and it is a spiritual battle that we know will continue continue until the end of time when the battle of Gog and Magog, when they stand up and they come against the Lord and the Lord will call down fire from heaven and that is the battle yet again of Babylon and Jerusalem and, and as we understand that we have to see in our, in our own lives how Babylon is trying to destroy and tear down this world that we live in and so what makes Daniel so powerful is not only that he knows who he is and he knows what he's called to do, but he knows who he is and he knows what he's called to do in Babylon. Well, I feel like preaching now. It ain't enough to know who you are when you're in church. 
it's easy to back up the preacher on Sunday night. It's easy to come to Friday night revival service and, and, and nod your head a little bit and clap your hands and amen the preacher. That ain't really hard. But when the rubber meets the road and you have to walk into Babylon and you show up on your job and everybody there's a Babylonian and nobody believes what you believe and nobody thinks like you think and they're perverted and, and, and they're twisted and they're saying things they shouldn't say about you and about your family. My question is then, do you know how to be a prophet? Then do you know how to be Daniel? Then do you know how to show them your true identity? I'm I'm not just Daniel while I'm in Jerusalem, honey. I'm Daniel if I'm in Babylon. I'm, I'm a prophet. I'm called. I'm anointed. And it don't matter where I go. My anointing goes with me. My power goes with me. So it's here that, that, that he shows us. Because let, let's be honest. Living in Babylon is less than ideal conditions. Can I just talk to us for a little bit? Having to learn how to have good church in a Babylonian captivity is less than ideal because you can't really get prayers through like you could in other times. You, you don't see the miracles like you've seen when you were back in Jerusalem. You don't see the signs and the wonders and all of these things that, that you thought were, just came so easy while you were in church. That don't happen when you're in Babylon like that. And, and so what, what makes Daniel, men like Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all three of these, they, they, they are prophets during a Babylonian uh, captivity. And what makes them so interesting to me is their ability to remain in their identity while they're living in a twisted and messed up world in less than ideal conditions. They, they, they continue to pray when they pray and nothing happens. Ooh, I feel like preaching. That they, they continue to fast when they fast and nothing happens. They continue to stay true to God. Some of us can't stay true to God for two weeks just because he didn't answer your prayer that you prayed five minutes right before you ate your hot pocket. I, I, I'm going to tell you, somewhere or another, we got to grow up and recognize that we're in the big leagues now, and you can't just keep playing patty cake church and expect to get big miracles. I'm telling you that God is calling people like Daniel to pray some personal stuff, to get into a personal relationship that says, hey, you know what, I, I, I'm thankful for when my pastor preaches, I, but I want to get conviction for myself. I, I want to get a revelation for myself, and so I'm going to do like the Word of of God tells me and rightly divide the word of truth, uh, needing not to be ashamed. Uh, I'm telling you tonight that God is calling some of us uh, to come out of this group mentality uh, that we're just in Babylon and so we're just going to try to fit in uh, with the church while we have to live in Babylon. Uh, God's calling you to be a Daniel uh, in the middle of Babylon. Uh, God's calling you to be a Jeremiah in the middle of Babylon. Uh, God's calling you to be an Isaiah that'll stand up uh, and say, this is the word of the Lord. This is how it needs to be. And if you don't do it, that's okay. But you're going to meet the consequences. But as for me, I'm going to live for God even while in Babylon. And this is where it becomes personal because Daniel has a vision and he knows he has the vision, but he don't understand it. So he begins to pray, Brother Ford. And the Bible says that he ate no pleasant bread. He... 
he begins to fast. No, no, no he's not eating. For 20, now we're, understand that we're reading this from, from Daniel's point of view as he's an older man and he's, he's just kind of telling the story. And so to, to bore you with the details, he just tells you, for 21 days, I fasted. But I want you to put yourself as Daniel does here. Daniel transitions from the third person to the first person, which lets us know as the reader that it is designed for us to read it as the first person. Because this is, this is end time prophecy. This is what it's going to be like in the last days. And so because Daniel is looking at it from the first person, it's designed for you to look at it through the first person. And as we do, we can see as Daniel begins to pray because he has a burden and he knows something is up in his spirit. And so he begins to pray and he begins to fast. And day one, nothing happens. Just like some of you have prayed prayers on day one and nothing happened. And so he goes to bed that night and gets up the next day. And you know you don't sleep good when you're fasting. He said, I don't. I'm mad. My wife wants to go on vacation when I'm fasting. I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hangry. You know I'm telling the truth. Don't sit there like you saved, sanctified, and full of the Holy Ghost. Let, let's just be honest. Don't none of us fast because we're spiritual. We do it because we're carnal trying to get spiritual. I'll take that a step further and say none of us pray because we're spiritual. I know I sure don't. I, my flesh don't like to pray. I pray to keep my flesh under subjection. But I, I, I can see Daniel as he's prayed the first day and he's, he's fasting. Now he's kind of a little upset. Now, God, you didn't do it yesterday, so I'm going to pray and fast again. Because and, and, you got to understand, this is one of those I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast until... This ain't one of those deals where I'm going on a 21-day fast. That ain't how Daniel did that. You look at it again. He's telling us, looking back over his life, and he gets in a wrestling match with God, basically, and says, God, I'm not going to quit fasting, and I'm not going to quit praying until I get an answer. And so day three goes by and nothing happens. And day five and day 10 and day 17 and day 18 and day 19 and day 20. And then all of a sudden, I want to just ask you the simple question. What would happen to Daniel and what would happen to you if you quit praying those personal prayers on day 20? What's going to happen if you give up on day 20? What's going to happen if you say, you know what, there's no use and you buy into the Because I know the devil's been lying to you and telling you it ain't happened and some of you have been praying about it not for 20 days, but honey, you've been praying about it for 20 years, and it's personal. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your husband or your wife. I don't know what it is, but I've come to tell you that the only way that Daniel got his answer is on day 21. He got up, and he prayed the personal prayer all over again. I've come to tell somebody that's on the verge of throwing in the towel, honey, don't you quit praying. I've come to tell somebody that you walked by them this week and said they'll never come, and the devil told you it's hopeless, baby. Don't you quit praying because God hears the prayer of his people. Sometimes you have to pray it through day in and day out, but you hear me, his ear. 
God. His ear is not heavy that he cannot hear the cry of his people. You want to know what made Daniel able to stand in the face of all the kings? And while they were saying, this one was saying, oh, I can tell you this dream and I can tell you that and I can tell you what's written on the wall and, and none of them could do it. You want to know what gave him the ability to walk in and look at the king and say, I'm going to tell you what it is, this and this and this and this. But now, let, let me just kind of put some pressure on you like pressure was put on Daniel. He, the king gets up, Nebuchadnezzar gets up and says, listen, if y'all can't tell me what this is, all of y'all going to die. Talk about pressure. Oh, this ain't Sunday school, baby. You're not just operating in the church. This isn't just come up and get a few minutes worth of prayer. And, and if it don't happen, okay, well, we'll pray again tomorrow night. This is if we don't get the answer now, we're going to die. Can I tell you the only thing that gave Daniel the ability to walk in before Nebuchadnezzar and say thus and thus and thus is because every day Daniel been praying personal prayers. And, and can, can I tell you that in the moment when everything is going wrong and you need a right now miracle and you need a right now word, you can't wait till then to start acting like you're going to pray every day. You can't wait till then to start acting like, oh, I got a relationship with God. Well, you know who you're talking to, Jesus. No, when you need that kind of miracle and the car spinning out of control and all you can say is Jesus, you want him to pick up the phone because you've been praying every day and he knows that that's my child. That's the call of a child that's in it. I've come to tell you, you can't wait till everything gets bad. You got to pray now and you got to keep on praying and you got to help me Jesus and you got to keep on praying and you got to keep on praying. Daniel, let me ask you a question. Let me ask a mama a question here right now. What's your baby going to do if you start praying on day 20? And day 21 is the day that the devil set it up for them to be in a car wreck that should take their life. What's, what you going to do if you stop praying for them on day 20? When on day 21, the devil said, I finally got them. Mama didn't pray today. Daddy didn't pray today. And all of a sudden, they've been drinking too much. And they come around that curvy road, and the rear end gets a little loose. What are you going to do then? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to be standing at a casket wishing to God you'd have prayed one more time. I've come to tell you, I don't care how many times they said I'm not coming. I don't care how many times they've slammed the phone down on you. I don't care how many times they said, Mama, Daddy, I wish you'd just shut up with all that church stuff. Honey, you got a calling. You got a commission, Daniel. I know you're living in Babylon, but keep on praying for that baby because what you don't know is when you keep praying, you entertain angels unaware. And just like Daniel had an experience, there's going to be an angel sitting in the passenger seat. And when he should have died, when she should have died, there's going to be an angel of the Lord uh, that wraps his arms up. They didn't have the seatbelt on, no, but mama was praying. Uh, they didn't have the seatbelt on, no, but daddy was talking in tongues. Uh, honey, you can't quit praying. You don't know how many times I've been told no. 
I've come to tell you tonight, although your miracle has been delayed, it has not been denied. And although you've been praying for however long you've been praying, I've come to tell you with a word from the Lord, there's an angel of the Lord on the way. And he's coming with an There's an angel of the Lord. And he's coming with an answer. There's an angel of the Lord. And he's coming with a sword in his hand to fight against your enemy. You know what? We should stop getting mad at God. Stop getting discouraged. Stop fussing about the preacher. Quit all that. You know what you need to do? You need to take all that time and effort. Oh, I'm supposed to be mean. God help me, Jesus, to say it nice. No, I'm not going to. You know what? What would happen if you spent all that time you've been gossiping? And started praying. Ooh-wee, Jesus. What, what would happen if you spent all that time that you've been talking about ignorant stuff that don't amount to a hill of beans? And, and instead of crying and complaining, when you don't get your miracle, you take that time and go to the house of God and get down on your face and begin to pray until the answer gets there. Come on, I, I, I know that the devil's been fighting against your prayer. He don't want your prayer to get answered. Have you ever thought that the reason you're fighting so much hell is because the devil sees how much power is in that one prayer you've been praying? And if that one prayer is answered, then his kingdom is going to be torn to shreds and so he's doing everything he's doing everything he can to try to stop you from praying and try to stop the angels of the Lord from getting there because you're going to tear Babylon down when the prayer gets answered I wonder I wonder if while we're praying Michael that old Warren angel with an answer from the Lord in his mailbag is sitting on the edge of his seat. He's got his sword out. And, and, and he's just saying, would you pray it one more time? Come on, I think if you pray it this time, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help me break through. What, what would happen if we put hell in a crossfire? Angels of the Lord are fighting from that direction. I'm going to fight from this direction. Well, that's too simple. Well, I, I'm going to tell you, if you came tonight to hear deep preaching, you sure come to hear the wrong preacher because I don't have anything deep to tell you. All I've come to tell you is you can't quit. If you want a miracle, you can't quit. If you want a breakthrough, you can't quit. If you want revival... Come on, you can't quit. You want your children to be saved. You can't quit. You want your mom and daddy in the truth. You can't quit. You got to keep on praying. I refuse. I, re I refuse to quit now. I'm too close to my miracle. What if you're one more thank you Jesus away? What if you're one more hallelujah away? What if you're, Lord, I bless your holy name away? What if you're just one more church service? I'm saying, God, I don't feel like being here. I'm tired of my flesh. I worked all day, but I came to pray again. I came to believe again. I came to stand on your word again. Can I tell you, when people pray when they don't feel like praying, is when God connects you to angelic beings. It's the same pattern in Daniel chapter 6. Reading 
Daniel chapter 6. There's a lot of people upset with Daniel. Why? Because he was praying? No, because he was favored. Their issue with him was he had a personal relationship with God. And hear me, because you have a personal relationship with God, it'll give you personal relationship with kings. And so Daniel is liked above everybody else in the kingdom. He's, he's a Hebrew. That's counting against him. He don't eat like we eat. That's counting against him. He don't ingest. Let me just put it like that. He don't ingest the things the world ingests. So he can't fit in because of that. He don't do the things they do. So he don't fit in. And they don't like him. Because he don't, he don't do all of the politicking. And yet he still gets promoted. <laughs> well, he's been praying. What do you expect when somebody's been praying? And, and, and so the Bible tells us that Daniel has been praying, not just every day, but three times a day. And, and not only is he praying three times a day, but he's, turn, he's opening up the windows and he's turning his face towards Jerusalem, meaning to, to, it, it's, it's a signal. We talked about this last Sunday some. It, this is a signal that I am aligning myself with Jerusalem, the holy hill, the Mount Zion, aligning myself with the things of God. And because I'm aligning myself with the things of God, it's going to cause people to hate me. It's going to cause people to talk bad about me. It's going to cause people to be jealous of me. Because you can't align with the things of God and not be blessed. It's just the way it works. I'm sorry. If you don't like being blessed, then don't align with the things of God. I like being blessed. That's why I do it. Hallelujah. And, and, and so in this, we see that Daniel is thrown to, to a pit of hungry lions. And what happens? An angel shows up. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something that the Lord told me a couple days ago. And, and this is powerful. To me it is anyway. I know it's simple. This, this is probably way beneath y'all. Y'all are way, y'all got, y'all got Brother Moore. Brother Moore teaches y'all. This is probably way below y'all. But listen to this. This is what the Lord told me. He said, the angel had been there all along. He just made himself manifest when he went into the pit. And I thought to myself, how many times did Daniel pray and the angel of the Lord was standing right there with him? Oh, I don't feel nothing. You might not feel anything. But can I tell you that maybe God's just reserving all of that for the moment you get in the pit with a hungry lion? Maybe the reason you ain't felt anything for the last six weeks is God's waiting on that moment when your back's against the wall and there's nowhere to go and there's nobody to call and there's nobody to talk to and the devil has you square in his sights and it's you're sure to go out and you're sure that there's no way it's going to happen and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord appears. Where did he come from? I'll tell you where he came from. He's been with you every day when you've been praying three times a day. He's just making himself manifest now. Can I tell you 
This is just the way it is with God. The road to dominion always goes through the den. It's just the way that it is. You, you, you can't get to dominion, Daniel, if you don't go through the den. And if you don't believe that, you have to ask Moses because God put Moses in a cave to show him his hinder parts. And if you don't believe that, you can ask Elijah because it was in a cave in the den that Elijah would hear the still small voice after the whirlwind and after the fire. If you don't believe that, you can ask John. John was in the isle called Patmos on a cave on top of the island of Patmos and that's where he got his revelation from. You can't get dominion if you don't go through the den, if you don't go through that place uh, where you feel all alone, but that is the place where the lions are coming against you, yet the angels are showing up for you. But can I tell you tonight that, that the issue is, the issue here, for me anyway, is Daniel, what are you going to do if you end up in the den and you quit praying? Just because you didn't feel something. I think sometimes we, 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 think to, we think of prayer as a monologue. Of I pray to God and every now and again God will send a preacher and he'll walk 42 miles uphill both ways in sleet and snow with no shoes on to give me a word. Prayer's not a monologue. Prayer's a dialogue. You talk to God and God speaks back. And, and sometimes we think that I, I, I need, I'm, I'm helping somebody right now. I just feel it in the Holy Ghost. Maybe it's a new convert. Maybe it's an aged saint that's frustrated in your walk with God because I've been praying and nothing's happening. Sometimes it happens like that. It's like a conversation. Like, you, like you're in love with your wife, but you don't look at her every five minutes and just start drooling and say, my God, you do. Buddy, she picked the slow one. I tell my wife every day I love her. But it ain't ever three seconds. And because it's, it's a conversation. Every con Brother Moore, you've been married how long? 43 years. Has every conversation you ever had been the most romantic conversation you can imagine? Where was I going with that? I don't even remember. <laughs> oh, I, I'm going to tell you, every conversation I've ever had with my wife hasn't been poetry. It just ain't. I'm, I'm, number one, I ain't good at poetry. And, and I, it just, you have to talk about groceries. If you're going to stay married, if you're going to keep him, sister, you better talk about groceries. Hey, I felt that help right there. Woo. Hey, Bob. Hey, you you, you got to talk about you got to talk about intimate things, but you got to talk about paying light bills and you got to talk about paying water bills and you got you got to talk about dropping the kids off at school. You got to talk about them things. I tell you prayers the same way. It's personal. And sometimes God doesn't come down and just rattle the earth. Sometimes he just walks by you and says, "Hey, I'm still here." Sometimes he just walks by and don't say anything. And can I tell you that that's the time that most of us quit? 
because God's we, we take God's silence and say, well, because God is silent, that must mean that God is not for me. Can I tell you that the greatest miracles you will ever experience will always be in the times that God is the most quiet? And if you don't believe me, let me tell you yet again, you can ask Brother Daniel because he ain't heard from God for 21 days. He's been, I, I mean, you, you read the Bible and God and Daniel are just chit-chatting. They're just talking. It's visions. It's dreams. It's, it's revelation. And all of a sudden it dries up and God ain't saying anything. But Daniel gets the greatest revelation of who God is and the greatest revelation of who himself is. In the moments that God was the quietest and God seemed the farthest away. Can I tell you, you don't need to begrudge those times. You just need to get back in the altar and keep doing what you've always done. Because eventually God's going to speak. And when God starts speaking, he's going to give you direction and he's going to give you a anointing and I'm going to tell you something what makes God happy is when he doesn't speak and he sees you walk down the aisle and come back to the altar and say Lord it's me again and I know I talked to you about this last week but my baby's still backslid my children my finance, my mind, whatever the case may be, it's still a wreck and I'm here to pray again that's what gets God's attention There, there, there's these things, the Bible, New Testament talks about them called memorial prayers where you build them up. It's like stacking stones. You can't build no building with one stone. You don't, you don't find any memorial. We call them memorials in the United States of America. You don't find any memorial built out of one little rock about that big around. That ain't how that happens. It's stone on top of stone on top of stone on top of stone until eventually you can be driving down the road from 20 miles away and it's big enough that you can see it. Can I tell you that maybe God's just waiting on you to build that memorial so big that he can't ignore it anymore. And, and I, know, I know sometimes you feel like God's not listening. But can I tell you if an unjust judge will listen to a widow woman if she keeps knocking and keeps persisting, isn't he a just judge? Isn't he a just God? How much more would a God that is just hear the prayer of his children than an unjust judge? The cry of a widow woman. I'm telling you you're not talking to a judge when you pray. You're not talking to a man, but you're talking to a God that is able not only to hear your prayer, but to meet your need. You just gotta make it personal. I can see Elijah. I don't have time to preach this all. Y'all come help me. I'm fixing the clothes for long. I can see Elijah. Now, now, I think sometimes we put these guys in places that truly they, they are indeed worthy of honor. I mean, it's Elijah for crying out loud. But I think sometimes we, is this a word, hero-wise? I mean, we get stars in our eyes when we start talking about Elijah. Abraham, Isaac. Don't you, you can't even say Jacob because I mean, I, that dude, he was bad. But the truth of the matter is, is when you read the Bible, they dealt with a lot of the same stuff you deal with. Listen to me. Elijah is called and anointed. He, he, I mean, he's been tearing up Jack in hell's kingdom. Every time he turns around, he's got another victory. And he shows up on top of Mount Carmel. 
He calls down fire from heaven. I mean, when was the last time you called down fire from heaven? He calls down fire from heaven. After that's over, Brother Ford, he gets so bloody with the head. Now, he's not just, I mean, this, this dude's a preacher, but he'll cut you. 400 prophets off with their head. I, I'm, you better thank God you got a man for a pastor. That's right. Devil, I'll, I'll cut your head off so fast. But I mean, this, this is the guy. And after he cuts off 400 prophets' heads, calls down fire from heaven, one person tells him, you know what, there ain't really nothing, anything to you. And Elijah runs and hides in a cave because he fights intimidation just like you fight intimidation. And he fights depression just like some of us in here fight depression. And, and he goes through storm. After the greatest victories of his life, he enters in the silent times. God's not talking. Then he, hears the, he sees the, the earth shake and the whirlwind and then the still small voice and he gets a word from God and he gets up and it's not long after that that you, you, you I mean, th th this guy is just, he's, he's doing all kinds of stuff. He's anointing prophets. He's getting ready to cross over. I, I, there's one in particular story you actually back up a little bit. It's in 1 Kings chapter 17 about this and it sticks out to me here, especially here because it's here, I think it's in, in verse 17 through verse 40 somewhere in there. First Kings chapter 17. And, and, and the Bible says that this widow woman's son has died. And so he takes the boy and he goes up into the loft. And again, we're hearing the story as it's being told. And the Bible says that he stretched out on him three times and we just blow past that and we forget to read it in the first person. He prays and nothing happens. The guy that calls down fire from heaven it's starting to sound a little bit more like you now, isn't it? Oh, I, I've had victories. I've seen God move mountains. I've seen miracles, signs, and wonders, cancer healed, and, 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 and families touched and restored and all of this. And, and now i got this one little boy, and I can't even get him up out of the bed. I can see Elijah scratching his head like some of us came to church tonight where we've shouted and danced and talked in tongues for the last two nights, and you're just like, man, I did all that shouting. And my problem's still there. Am I talking to anybody right now? I feel like I am. Laid him out on the bed, and he stretches out on him, and nothing happens. I, I thought that just because I went to revival service on, on Wednesday night, and then, I, my God, I went back on Thursday night. I'm saved, sanctified. And I even showed up, although I was discouraged on Friday night. Can I tell you, if we have revival every night of the week until Jesus comes and you don't get your miracle until the day before He comes, it'll be on perfect time with God. And it'll be exactly when you need it. And it'll be exactly what you need. And it'll be bigger than you could ever imagine because when it's personal... When it's a personal relationship with you and God and it's a personal prayer, it's something that you can't even imagine. Elijah just stretches out. He prays. Nothing happens. Prays again. He went back to revival service. Nothing happened. 
I wonder if God put that in there for me and you to see that sometimes even the guys that we look at as heroes, they prayed. Yet again, it's the prophet Elijah. He's standing. He has a word from God. He tells his servant, he says, go look. Comes back, nothing. Go look again. Again, this, this is that telling the story after it's happened. We're not reading it in the first person. It says, and he told him to return seven, six more times after the first time. Seven times he's up. Preacher, I don't see anything. I don't know how you are, but I, after about five trips, I started asking some questions. We done, we done walked about six miles at this point. Mm, I ain't doing this no more, preacher. But the man of God had something in his spirit. And the servant understood that if he heard it, I'm going to help somebody right here. Yeah. Well, it's just preaching. Oh, he's not just preaching. Well, he's, he's just, you know, it's a rant. It's not just a rant. Well, what, what if it don't happen? Well, what if it does? What, what if you've prayed it and prayed it and prayed it until this time up the mountain you see a cloud as of a man's hand? Go tell Ahab, get up and eat and drink. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. You know what God's trying to tell somebody tonight? You need to pray again. You, 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 you've been so quick to just throw in the towel and God's saying, you need to go back to the altar and you need to call their name again. And you need to pray over that situation again. Why, why do you think every service we come together and we take that list of names and we pray over them? It, well, they've been on that list for 25 years and I don't know how long they've been there and I don't care how long they've been there. This could be the year. This could be the year. That 25-year-old, that, that, that 30-year-old, that 35-year-old, that 60-year-old backslider. This could be the year. They've been on the list for since the conception of this church. But yet, this year, they show up because somebody prayed again. I'm challenging you tonight not to come to the altar and shout and dance and run the aisles. We've done that for the last two nights. I'm challenging you, to, challenging you tonight to come to the altar. And find those prayers that you've given up on. Find your identity. And pray prayers with the identity of knowing who you are. I, I know I'm a child of God. I'm, I know I'm anointed. I know you've called me to be a prayer warrior, God. And I'm, I'm here tonight. Again, we, we're going to have victory next time I come. We're going to shout and dance and run the aisle. But on this last night of revival, I've come to challenge somebody to dust off a prayer that you ain't prayed in 20 years. Dust off a prayer that you ain't prayed this year and pray it again and make it personal again and tell God, I know who I am and I know the Come on, would you come now? Would you make your way to the altar? Would you find yourself a place to pray and would you just kneel and pray yet again? Pray one more time. Believe one more time knowing that God can work it out. How many times have I tried and I haven't seen it come to pass. How many times have I went to the altar and it hasn't happened? Well, what if this is the time? What if this is the day? What if this is the trip to the altar? What if this is that altar call that you've been praying for for the last 20 years? Come on. Come on. Don't quit praying. Don't quit praying. Don't quit praying. Come on, as they sing, I wonder if there'd be somebody here tonight that would lift their voice. 
Come on, beyond the music, beyond the noise, beyond the sounds around you, beyond the kids crying or the kids tapping you on the leg, whatever it is that's trying to distract you, would you lift your voice and would you pray in the Holy Ghost? In prayer, I want to stand. All that you'll ever need is waiting right there for viewers. A child saying it's goodbye despair. So much. 
much pain. By the doctors, the doctors they've all tried everything. Tried everything. And hope, all hope seems All oh, but wait. What's that I hear? Somebody praying in the midst of all the gloom. And all at once, that great physician, well, he steps into the
that unto the Lord in this place tonight. Praise God. Praise God. The faith, the determination. Huh. I'm going to pray again. I'm going to lift this situation up before God one more time. Huh. And a lot of our circumstances and situations can be just like that body that's held in a bed. But then suddenly, somebody's praying. Somebody that's been coming on a daily basis, crying out to the Lord and believing in the power of prayer. If you notice, there's certain elements that the world has done its best to rob and take away from us and try to persuade us that it doesn't work. And, but I'm here to tell you again, tonight it works, folks. Amen. When you know that you pray in the will of God and that you're inside the Word of God, there's something inside of that says, you know what, I'm going to stay with it. I don't know how many I've told along the journey, especially those that struggle with backsliding. I said, what your family's going to do when you backslide? You're the only hope they got. You're the only hope they got right now. It's for you to stay with it and be consistent. and Keep on praying for them. You're the answer, amen. You're not the problem. Don't listen to the flesh. Don't listen to the devil. Don't listen. You're not the problem, honey. You're the answer. You're the door. You're the, the vessel that God can use. It's your prayers that he'll hear. It's your commitment and dedication get to move them when nothing else can move them. So you got to stay with it. You got to be steadfast. You got to be stirred by it. You got to believe it. You know what? God will hear my prayers. <laughs> Praise God. But if you don't think He hears your prayers, would you just go ahead and rant and rave and cuss and do whatever? You, you believe He hears that, don't you? Why can't you believe He hears your prayers? Which one do you think he wants to hear? And which one do you think he wants to answer? And you're never alone, even when you think you're alone. That's a trick of the enemy, too. But I've been really pondering, and he, he preached on it tonight. The maze of heroes that you read about in that Bible, God pulled them out of deserts, wilderness, top of mountains and out of caves and out of dens places where they didn't have a great host of people to parade them on this is one area I believe the pandemic's helped us if we just admit it because in the pandemic we found out what we was made of when we couldn't gather together and we could fellowship the way we want to we found out what was in, really in us if we was really committed or not if we could survive the journey or not. But I'm glad it's over now. Don't get me wrong. But you know what? It's done us some good if we just admit it. It's done us some good. Amen. It, it didn't defeat us. <laughs> Praise God. Prayer. Thank God for prayer. Amen. Because it can change the circumstances. It can change the situations. The power of prayer. Praise God. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. When you're moved upon, when quickened, sometimes it may not be but just a moment, but in that moment you pray. and You bring it before God. 
How many of you can tell stories? You just felt prompt to pray for somebody. And just in a moment, just prayed a little simple little prayer. And two or three days down the road, amen, they get to telling you something was happening. You start putting the timing together. And that timing was just at the right time. Amen. That you could have been taken out, but somebody was moved on. Amen. To pray for you. And God stepped in on the scene. One huh. thing's come to my mind, and I, I'm going to quit. We're going to go to Catfish House. But just to give you a little example. I was working at the yard, and they was doing some testing. We didn't, I didn't know it. And it's these big jack-up rigs, and this, this big leg, and they was doing an air test on it. And these guys, they had such much pressure on it, and I was supposed to go on it and do something anyway. So I went up to it, and it's a, it's a manhole. It's got a deal on it where you turn it. And, hey, for some reason it wouldn't turn. So, man, I bear down on it. I felt it give a little bit, and then all of a sudden I heard somebody. I mean, he was screaming. I'm talking about Now, in the shipyard, you got to understand, there's, a, there's a lots of noise. But all of a sudden, I could tell, man, there's somebody screaming. I'm talking about, I mean, he's screaming. Finally, I look behind me, son, here comes a guy. He's running now. You know, he's supposed to be doing that ship art. He's running, screaming. So I stopped. I said, well, he said, man, if you'd opened that thing up, said it'd have blowed you off out of the shipyard. We're doing us, I've got how many pounds test on that thing right now. I said, well, nobody's coming. So I didn't. I didn't tell my wife when I got home that day. I didn't, didn't really think about it, you know. And a few days down the road, I mentioned it to her. <laughs> she said, <laughs> said, God moved on me. She said, and I called my brother. I said, and we prayed. You don't have to search as far as you may think you have to sometimes to see how God can work. And things that we just kind of let just slip by and don't pay no attention to it. And there's no telling how many stories right here tonight. It's just like that. And how many of them's never told? Never told. Nobody don't know anything about it. Times, but see, God, God keeps a perfect record. And God's got it all wrote down. And I just wonder how many times even the devil, he may have realized, he man, somebody was praying. And because somebody was praying and somebody was moved and somebody was touched, it changed the outcome of the circumstance that the devil had set up to take somebody's life. Amen. But prayer was made and prayer was bottled up. And God said, you know what? Here's a good time to just tilt the bottle. Amen. And right now is a good time to change this circumstance and change this situation where the devil set it up to destroy life. Amen. Because somebody bottled up some prayer. I believe I'll just reach and pour it out. That's the God we serve tonight. It loves us. But thank you, Brother Phillips. Appreciate you. God bless you. Man, he has preached. He has preached to us. God bless you tonight, each one of you, for being a part of this service. And so faithful, church, I appreciate you. Amen. We can set. It don't matter what, what nights, what time. You're faithful. You never complain. You never mumber. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. You know, I've heard it. I've heard some say, man, I can't have church on off nights. I can't hardly get them there on an own night. <laughs> well, man, we do just as good on off nights as we do on own nights. <laughs> Amen. Because this is a heartbeat. And we love you and appreciate you for it. We give you the honor tonight.